Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on this Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Lockdown Blue Devils is your daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast feed for free wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Watch the show each and every day on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like this video. Share it with your friends. Your support of the program means the absolute world to me, so thank you so much for doing that. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. My very good friend, Kevin Connolly, is the site expert for Ball Durham, and he's back with us here on today's show. I teased it in the open, but today we're going to talk a lot about this way too early top 25 poll in men's basketball. It was a week that started with the top 25 rankings coming out for college football, and yet here we are at a program like Duke wanting to talk hoops. So, Kevin, thanks for coming back on the program here today. And you and I really do love kind of nitpicking some of these rankings that come out. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting topic here in mid-August um, to get into when you look at your team specifically, in this case Duke, and then uh, a couple of other teams that might stand out who uh, the Blue Devils will be seeing down the road this season. Without a doubt, and you talk about these top 25 polls, we see them the moment the national championship is won, right? We see these installed. Like the very next day, credit to folks in our business, in the media world, we're always wanting to find ways to write, talk, watch sports. And so once the championship ends, all of a sudden we want more. We want to know what next season sort of looks like for all these teams. And so back in April – Right as the final buzzer sounded and UConn wins the national championship, we have top 25 rankings come out. That does not include what happens with NBA draft declarations and then with the transfer portal coming and going. So Jeff Borzello from ESPN made a rendition and released this here at the start of August to kind of take a look at what a top 25 would look like in college hoops now that the dust has settled on all of that. Kevin, if you want, I mean, it's just – we love being able to talk about these top 25 rankings. So I, for one, am always pretty excited the day after the national championship to go ahead and start looking towards next season. Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because like you said, so many things happen between the final buzzer of the national championship. And, and let's be honest, even two days after the national championship, like you said, with guys going to the NBA draft, with guys entering the transfer portal, even go to the high school level and guys requesting their release from their NLIs and going somewhere else. So there's always so many things, international prospects that all of a sudden become available you don't think are going to be on a team on the outset of those initial way to uh, early top 25 rankings. So Some uh, injuries that players sustain in workouts. Exactly. So right about now in August, after you get – um, the bulk of your team on campus for those summer workouts and you're about to begin the fall semester. Now's a good time for those rankings. So a lot has changed for Duke since April to now, taking a look at this team and where the team was kind of uh, talked about at the conclusion of last year. I-, I think many people were optimistic about Duke going into 2023, 2024. We were, uh, I don't know that everyone thought all the sophomores were going to be returning for Duke at that time. They were freshmen, 
And, of course, we're talking about the three players in Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, and Mark Mitchell. Uh, also didn't know what to expect from Jeremy Roach and the decision that he was set to be made. Thought Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively II would ultimately make NBA draft declarations. But remember, we spent so much time talking about the transfer portal as well. So I think teams and people felt high about Duke as soon as that final buzzer sounded to crown UConn as national champs. But I think their thoughts in regards to the Blue Devils have gotten much stronger over the last few months. Yeah, absolutely. You you outlined it perfectly. Duke had a lot of question marks going into the offseason. Who would come back? Who would stay? Who would go? Um, and then the big thing that ultimately unfolded pretty early in the offseason was the departure of five-star commit Mackenzie Mbako. Once Kyle Filipowski announced that he would be returning to Duke, he eventually uh, decommits, requests his release from his NLI, and ends up at Indiana. So um, a lot of balls were in the air, for lack of a better term, for Duke. Um, once that final buzzer sounded on the national championship. But um, I think if you pull a lot of Duke fans, they think this was a booming success of an offseason. And remember that Duke really didn't go into the transfer portal to make any significant additions uh, this offseason either. Jeff Borzello, again from ESPN, put out a way too early top 25 at the start of August. And the Duke Blue Devils come in at number two. Number two for the Duke Blue Devils in that top 25, only behind the Kansas Jayhawks who, ironically enough, just beat out Duke for a top 2024 prospect in Flory Beninga, who we talked about a little bit on yesterday's program. But when you hear that, Kansas 1, Duke 2, what do you think, Kevin? Well, that's kind of been the debate all offseason, right? Who's 1, who's 2, and it's only between Duke and Kansas. That seems like the national um, expectation right now. And some people have given the edge to Kansas once they landed Hunter Dickinson, the five-star Michigan transfer. That kind of seemed to push Kansas ahead of Duke in a lot of these way-too-early polls, um, at, at least this summer. Uh, you're still probably going to see Duke getting votes for that number one ranking when the uh, the fall poll comes out for the way to the preseason poll um, in college basketball. Um, but I think you probably could see this as well um, with the one-two sticking the same with Kansas at one and Duke at two, but you have two teams that are experienced. They're older. They have vets on the team. Um, now it's just going to be how do the head coaches make them gel in Bell Self for Kansas and John Shire for Duke. Uh, Barzello goes over projected starting lineups for all of these teams in his top 25 for the Jayhawks to Juan Harris Jr. Nick Timberlake, who is a transfer from Towson, who averaged nearly 18 points a game a year ago. Kevin McCuller Jr., K.J. Adams Jr., and then, as you mentioned, Hunter Dickinson there as well for the Jayhawks. And Borzello's breakdown of Duke, his projected starting lineup, Proctor Roach, Jared McCain, and then the other two sophomores in Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski. Duke is one of the top two teams in the country in ESPN's way too early top 25. I think that's spot on. I think that's right where the Duke Blue Devils need to be going into next season. We're going to continue more thoughts about that in just a moment after our first time out here on today's show. Locked on Blue Devils here today is brought to you by one of our very new sponsors here on the network. Excited to talk to you about our friends over at Nutrafol, the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated and natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. 
Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take your hair health wellness quiz. Easy for me to say. Make sure you go check it out as it can identify the causes of hair thinning that might be taking place, such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and so much more. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol's men hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Welcome back into today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Kevin Connolly, who is the site expert for Ball Durham. We're taking a look at that top 25, way too early top 25 for college basketball, according to ESPN. Number one, Kansas. Number two, Duke. Purdue is number three. Michigan State, four. Five, the reigning national champion, UConn Huskies. Houston is six. Gonzaga gets the number seven spot. Tennessee at eight who knocked out Duke in the NCAA tournament. Nine is FAU, the Final Four darling from a year ago. And then at 10, the Marquette Golden Eagles. The top 10, you get a look at those teams, Kevin. What do you think? Well, it's certainly interesting. A couple of – I think the biggest name that pops out is FAU. They return their, just about their entire team from their Final Four run. You're going to say, okay, can they do it now with the expectations on them? Can they do it on, on a bigger stage with brighter lights? That's going to be interesting – to see uh, two Big East teams in the top 10. That really stood out to me, too, in the reigning national champion, um, UConn Huskies, and Marquette, who had a great year last year under Shaka Smart, um, a two-seed, ended up losing, I think it was in the round of 32, to Michigan State. And if you're looking in terms of Duke storylines, well, it's Michigan State. They're at number four and a team that the Blue Devils are going to face um, in the second week of the season in the Champions Classic. And let's keep that going down to number 11. At 11 in this way too early top 25 is the Arizona Wildcats, a team that in the second game of the season will come to Durham, will play inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. And so we're looking for those marquee matchups. We talk about how big games against Duke are for programs. Here you are, a chance to knock off what many believe will be one of the top teams in the entire country. Arizona is going to be another tough test for Duke right there at the start of the season. Yeah, you come right out of the starting blocks and you have basically two top 10 teams on your schedule in the first three games. So certainly this team is going to be tested early in the schedule. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the non-conference schedule for Duke and how they have four big time opponents on their schedule. You have the trip to Arkansas for the inaugural ACC SEC challenge. And then you also have Baylor in Madison Square Garden for a neutral site game. And they're both also both in this way too early top 25 with Arkansas at 14 and Baylor at 20. And that doesn't even include the ACC teams that are mixed in there as well, that Duke will face one to two times or maybe even three times uh, this season. So um, right now, if we're talking non-conference schedule specifically, um, Duke, can ha- Duke is going to have their hands full this season, and that doesn't even include um, the mid-majors 
that I expect to be uh, pretty good this year that could give Duke a run for their money in any given game. No doubt. I mean, I want to talk about those ACC opponents on the schedule for Duke. We're still waiting for the order in which all of those games will be played, and then we'll be able to put together kind of a final uh, Duke basketball schedule going into the upcoming season. But talking more about that Arizona game right out of the gates, we love guard play. It's what helps you win the whole thing at the end of the season. And you take a look at that premier matchup to start the year between Duke and Arizona. The Wildcats have not only Jaden Bradley, who transfers in from Alabama, a very productive season for the Crimson Tide in the SEC a year ago. They also welcome in Caleb Love, who is no stranger to playing inside Cameron Indoor Stadium, going up against a pair of guards in Jeremy Roach and Tyrese Proctor, who he had a couple of big run-ins with uh, last year and the year prior. Yeah, if you were a Duke fan and you thought you'd seen the last of Caleb Love once he announced his transfer from North Carolina. No and kidding, Kevin. And then subsequently <laughs> decides to go to Michigan but can't get in there because of academic and credit uh, reasons, um, then goes to Arizona, and you're like, all right, not so fast. He's not out of my life just yet. So um, certainly a familiar face. He's used to playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium. He knows what it's like going up against Jeremy Roach specifically. This will be, what, the third or fourth year now that they've played each other and obviously playing against Tyrese Proctor last year as well. So um, that feels like the biggest storyline going in to that Duke-Arizona game, although you are likely going to have two potentially top 10 teams um, in that matchup, although it's the first week of the season. Arizona um, will still be 11 and Duke will still be two, regardless of what they do in their season openers uh, because there won't be a new poll uh, before the game begins. And regardless, look at this. Look at the schedule for Duke going into the season with this way too early top 25 from ESPN's Jeff Borzello. Four non-conference opponents for Duke are on the schedule. When you mention Michigan State, Arizona, and then you mentioned those last two, Arizona, or excuse me, Arkansas in the SEC-ACC Challenge, and then a game against Baylor Uh, at Madison Square Garden. Shout out to Coach Shire and his staff for putting together the schedule because Duke is going to be tested against kind of those big-time tournament opponents. Uh, Recently on the Brotherhood podcast, Ryan Young got a chance to interview his new assistant coach at Duke, Emmanuel Dildy. They were kind of talking about the difference in play styles between these big conferences, how important it is once you get to the postseason. And here we are. Duke is going ahead and setting their team up for this by putting so many premier non-conference teams on the schedule. And the biggest thing is that three of those four games are away from home. I mean, when you talk about the NCAA tournament, you're not playing in in the friendly confines of your own building. I mean, (laughs) so Duke is going to play, as uh, these rankings, three of those top 20 teams away from Cameron Indoor Stadium. Arizona, as we mentioned, being the only one um, that's coming in Cameron Indoor Stadium. But Michigan State in Chicago, Arkansas in Fayetteville, a true road game, and then Baylor. Um, in Madison Square Garden, the Mecca of basketball, always um, great to see a game inside Madison Square Garden. Um, and Duke th- likes to think that um, both Chicago and the United Center and New York City in the Garden are, are de facto home games, home, home away from home games. You're watching and listening to Lockdown Blue Devils here today. I'm J.J. Jackson alongside my very good friend, Kevin Connolly, who is the site expert for Ball Durham. If I go to balldurham.com, Kevin, what can I expect to find on your website? You're going to find everything you could possibly want in terms of Duke athletics, specifically Duke basketball. We have opinions. We have recruiting info, um, news and notes, um, anything that you could possibly want we're going to have. In fact, 
Um, within the next week or so, we're going to have two really big pieces up there. One, um, predicting a depth chart for this Duke basketball team. I know Jeff Borzello had it in um, his, this uh, for Duke in this way too early top 25 that projected starting, starting five. We're going to go through a projected depth chart from scholarship players from point guard down to center. And also um, we're working on a big piece right now, ranking the top 10 Duke players of the 1990s. Ooh, um, so that. that that should drop. That could drop actually on Sunday. So uh, keep your eyes out for that one. That's a big piece that we've been working on here for the past couple of weeks. So really looking forward to getting those two p- uh, pieces live and um, for all your listeners to go over to balldurham.com and read them. Yeah, make sure you go check it out and support Kevin's great work with the team that he has there. They put together a lot of good content on the website, so go and support them uh, if you would. That'd be amazing. All right, so let's talk about this way too early top 25. Again, Duke at number two in the entire country. Kevin, it's been wild talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference in sports conversations over the last few weeks with Florida State trying to come and go and other teams are possibly – except they're receiving invites. Uh, California and teams way out on the Pacific Coast are rumored to be joining the ACC potentially. It's, it's crazy to keep up with. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the ACC as we know it now. There are two other teams from the ACC in this way too early top 25. At number 15, arch rival North Carolina Tar Heels, and then at number 18, the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, it's funny. Just a couple of days ago, I was saying to somebody, once the season, college football season kicks off, somebody give me a cheat sheet of paper and let me know what team is in what conference. <laughs> I can't keep track of it. Let me know what team is in what conference exactly. when, when the ball kicks off or the ball's kicked off or, or so on and so forth. But back to the point about teams currently in the ACC in this poll. Um, all right, we'll start first with North Carolina. You mentioned that they're 15. I scratch my head because obviously Hubert Davis did make some changes to his roster from last year but the big right. thing is that they did return Armando Baycott and RJ Davis now I know Caleb Love we talked about he is a talented player and um, I think a lot of the the problems of North Carolina last year were pinned on his shoulder um, and I don't think that's unfair to say he did not have a good year and um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of him as, as a basketball player I think he um, tries to do way too much on the court but putting North Carolina at, at 15 a team that was number one in the preseason poll last year um, and missing the NCAA tournament. I think 15 is very high um, for this Tar Heel team with that has to have a lot of pieces come together and mesh. They're going to rely a lot on a freshman guard, Elliot Cadeau, who reclassed up, um, hasn't really played a lot of high school basketball, um, but has been very good on the AAU circuit. So I'm, I was a little confused about seeing North Carolina all the way up there at 15. And I was a little bit confused about seeing Miami as low as 18. I love this Miami Hurricane team from a season ago. I thought they were really good um, making the Final Four, ran into that buzzsaw in UConn. Um, I thought if they got the right draw, which that matters everything in the NCAA tournament, they could have won the national championship. That's how good I thought they were this year. They bring back a couple of pieces from last year. Jim Laranega, one of the best and most underrated coaches in the country. He'll have those guys ready to go. So um, I think I would have liked to see Miami up a little bit, UNC down a little bit. And I'm surprised. I know they had a tough year last year. Surprised no Virginia on this list either. I think Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers are going to have a major bounce back season this year. 
Agreed. I, I do think a lot of big things are coming for Virginia with the work that they've done this offseason, despite losing a couple of players in the transfer portal and off to the NBA draft. Remember, it wasn't too long ago we were talking about could Caden Chedrick possibly transfer in to be a brim protector for this Duke team. North Carolina, yeah, pump the brakes a little bit. I, I do think the pieces are going to be much improved compared to where they were a year ago, but we saw how those way too early top 25 predictions uh, came to be for the Tar Heels last season. Final thought, Kevin, before we get you out of here today, we take a look at this. Duke is number two in the ESPN way too early top 25. A lot of youngsters on this team, the players that are returning outside of Jeremy Roach, not many of them are used to this type of expectation going into the season. Remember, Duke was kind of in North Carolina's range this time last year going into John Shire's first season. Any concern at all, or is this a Duke basketball program that's just used to this and it's not that big of a deal? What do you think? Yeah, this is a team that's used to this, a program that's used to the expectation, the target on their back. The one thing I do want to say that I haven't mentioned yet, comparing Duke to Kansas and who's number one and who's number two, I think the major benefit for Duke is that they don't have to acclimate a whole bunch of new guys and transfers and freshmen and get them all the mesh from day one, like Kansas did when you were reading that projected starting five with a couple of transfers and freshmen in the mix. For Duke, your your four starters are going to be guys who started last year. So I think that's a major benefit for Duke and a major uh, feather in their cap for their argument to be the preseason number one team over Kansas because I think this team is going to be ready to go, um, barring that they're healthy from opening night. Make sure you go check it out. It's ESPN's Way Too Early Top 25 from Jeff Borzello. Let us know down in the comments below. What do you think? Is Duke overrated, underrated? Should they be the top team in the land? What do you think about those North Carolina Tar Heels being number 15 in the Way Too Early schedule? Your thoughts on all of the non-conference opponents that Duke has in the top 25. We want to hear from you down in the comments below. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. Kevin, as always, it's so great to have you here on the program with me. We'll see you next time, okay? Thanks, JJ. All right, that's Kevin Connolly, again, the site expert for Ball Durham. Go check out all of his awesome work. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.